0: Lord, we do ask you to speak. Lord, and we ask you to speak because your words are good. Lord, and all your ways towards us are good. And so, Lord, as we approach the word, we do ask that you would lift our eyes to see your grace and your goodness. That you would open our hearts to see your grace as an invitation, Lord, and not as condemnation. Lord, would you... um, Overwhelm us with your grace, and would you take it even deeper this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. So church, we, um, we're we in the middle of a series. We're in a series about growing up into maturity and growing up into Christ. And you might have noticed that this morning, what we're growing up into or learning about or seeking to grow up into is God's grace. And so in order to do that, we're going to read from his word, and we're looking at the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. That's on page 1814, and the Bible's on your seats. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the churches in Ephesus. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, he's the author, he's saying, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace, oh, guys, I'm reading chapter 1. Somebody, somebody should have held their hand up for me. We're going to try again. Chapter 2, verse 1. It's such a good book, you should read it all later. All right, so... As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh And following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were, by nature, deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is the word of the Lord. So about a month ago, you may have been here, I was given this devotional. Has anyone read this devotional before or in the middle of it? So it's called Live in Grace, Walk in Love, and it's a 365-day devotional, so you read one every day, right? So I was going to start it on January 1, so for about a month this thing has sat on the side table where I sit to do my quiet time, you know that spot that collects all the things you're meaning to do? Um, And this cover, it it keeps catching my attention. It's got some nice graphics. Um, But what caught my attention more than anything is this first phrase, live in grace. Grace is a word that we use a lot in Christian circles, but I found myself contemplating what really is grace, because it's a lot of things, and what does it really mean to live in grace? God's grace. So it's January 12th today. That means that I've been reading a page in there every day for the last 12 days. And I don't have all the answers yet. So it's probably good that I've got 352 days to go. It's a year-long devotional. um, But I do think that I have some answers. And the answers that I do have are that grace is the most phenomenal gift that's been given to us in Christ Jesus. Grace is what literally purchased our salvation from sin on that cross. Grace is what provides us with the kindness of God. It's what allows us to enter into his presence, to be in his presence this morning as we worship. It's what preserves and protects us and sanctifies us. It's what helps us to put the sin in our lives to death, to receive the benefits of Christ in us and to pour them out. Grace is amazing. But I've also found that living in grace doesn't come naturally actually really alarmingly complicated and hard sometimes see i've been living in this tension for these last days while i look at this title and i've been constantly asking myself this question am i living in god's grace in this day in this moment in this hour and the answer more often than i would like to admit is no and I think the first place that I noticed that I'm not exactly swimming in God's grace is when I realized how hard it can be for me to extend grace to other people. Is anybody with me on this? Okay, when, when the cashier lady at Meijer is a little bit slower than I need her to be today, when traffic isn't really going as fast as I would like it to or at all, When my husband or a member of my team at work, a family member, when they don't function the way that I would like them to, or move as quickly as I need them to, or even when people don't see things quite the way that I do, when they don't believe the things that I believe or vote the things that I would vote for, responding to these people in these circumstances with grace is not exactly my first instinct. Anybody else? Nancy was a living testimony to this this morning. Thank you for that. And Jesus teaches us that what comes out of us is a direct indicator of what's inside. In Luke 6.45, Jesus was telling the crowd that the mouth speaks exactly what the heart is full of. So what comes out of your mouth, or what almost comes out of your mouth before you stop it, is a clear indicator of what's going on inside. And so I can probably safely deduce That if I'm not quick to give grace, there's not a lot of grace going on inside. So not only am I not always extending grace to other people, but somehow there's something blocking here. I'm not receiving grace deep inside. And I can see this deficit of grace in circumstances when I'm deeply disappointed in myself. Have you been in those places? You say something that maybe you shouldn't have. You do something that maybe you shouldn't have done. You treat someone poorly or you drop the ball or you just don't meet the expectations that you hope to have for yourself and you feel like such a failure. You struggle to extend grace to yourself and in these moments that I experience for myself, I, I know in my head that Jesus paid for my sins. Like I know that he loves me and I'm saved, but man, deep inside, I think God has to work real hard to love me right now. In those spaces of shame and guilt, I am not living into the gift of grace that God gives to me. It's so easy to forget this gift of grace and it's so hard to receive it and to give it. And I think that's why the Apostle Paul had so much to say about grace. It was so hard to pick a text for this morning because Paul talks about grace all the time. But this morning in Ephesus, you may recall that Ephesus was a really diverse city. It's a port city where people came from all over the world. And so the church in Ephesus is this conglomeration of Jews and Gentiles, people of all walks of life doing exactly what we're doing. They're trying to grow up into maturity in Christ. And so it's really interesting that one of the first things that Paul wants to talk to these new and growing Christians about is grace. Don't forget Paul says in our text for this morning that whether you're a Jew or whether you're a Gentile, whether you've been a believer for a long time or whether you're just starting, as for you all, you were once dead in your transgressions and sins. Paul goes on to explain that before Christ, all believers are subject to the ruler of the kingdom of the air, our sworn enemy, Satan the devil, who is the same spirit that is at work in all disobedience. All who gratify the cravings of the flesh and follow their own desires and thoughts, that's all of us, have spent time in this camp. And because of it, all of us deserve the wrath of God. Don't forget that we are all sinful by nature. But Paul's not done. He says, because of God's great love, because of his rich mercy, we have been made alive in Christ. And you know what's so amazing about that? Being made alive. God loves us so much. So much that Christ died that we might live while we were still dead. While we were still sinners. Before we had a chance to clean up our act or get our lives together. Jesus died. This explains Paul. His grace. So, says Paul, there's not a single one of us who doesn't stand in need of grace constantly. There's not a single one of us who can earn or have earned an ounce of God's grace. There's not one of us that can brag about one good thing because it's only by God's grace that we are reconciled to him. It's by his grace that we're being made new. It's by God's grace that we're able to do the good things that God himself puts before us. Grace, says Paul, leaves no room for pride. Grace leaves no room for shame. And grace leaves no room for apathy, complacency, or stagnancy because grace is always in the process of making us new and making all things new. Grace is the greatest gift any of us have ever been given. But then why is it that it's so hard to receive it? Like the church in Ephesus, I think that many of us fall into one of two camps or maybe both at different times in different circumstances. But first we might fall into the camp of those faithful Jews who came into belief soon or people who have followed the letter of the law to such a degree that we've become content with our status as believers. we come to church, we follow the rules, we're doing all the right things. And unfortunately, in those circumstances, pride tends to creep in and tell us That we don't even need God's grace anymore. And honestly, when I struggle to extend grace to other people, this is probably where I'm sitting. Because when we're quick to see failure in others, when we're quick to assume that we've got it sorted out, and when we have no patience for the perspective of others, and when we don't see our own need for growth or development, We reject God's gift of grace to us because we fail to see that we need it. See, grace doesn't undo the reality that we're all sinful by nature and that God hates sin, but grace is what paid for it. It's what empowers us to overcome it and to put it to death. And grace is the only thing that makes us right before God. At other times, we might fall into the camp of new believers, those Ephesians who didn't grow up with the law and are learning what this is about and what church is all about. Maybe we didn't grow up in church or we strayed. And we're fully aware that we stand in need of grace, that we're sinners. Now, this sounds like a much better place to be, doesn't it? But the problem comes when out of our realization of sin, we struggle to believe that we deserve God's grace. And the lines between humility and pride begin to blur. See, most of us have been conditioned to believe in conditional grace or love. Life and relationships have taught us that good gifts don't come without strings attached. That love has to be earned. And that love can also be lost if we don't hold up our end of the bargain. When I'm deeply disappointed in and ashamed with myself and I can't seem to shake it even after I've repented and given it to the Lord this is probably where I'm sitting because when I start to feel like God's disappointed in me like he loves me a little less that I've gone too far this time the cold hard reality is that somewhere deep down I've been prideful enough to believe that I could somehow earn his grace but that I failed this time. My sins have somehow cut that string that attaches God's favor to my life. When we find ourselves too ashamed to receive God's grace when we find ourselves overworking ourselves to earn his favor, when we start looking horizontally for things that can only come vertically, and when we force ourselves to be content with less than what God has because we don't want to ask him for more than we deserve because we cannot believe that he is kind. We reject God's grace because we want to earn it. And we feel like we haven't. Grace is such a good gift, but it's so easy to literally just kind of reject it or forget it's there without even realizing it. And yet grace is the gift that God longs to lavish on us. As the prophet Isaiah wrote to God's rebellious children in Isaiah 30, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up and show you compassion and kindness. God is kind. If we do not believe or see or experience God as kind, there is something blocking us from receiving his grace. Jesus was this gift of kindness and compassion, the very vehicle of God's grace to a rebellious world and to you and to me. As Paul states in verse 6 of our reading for this morning, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, get this, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Incomparable riches never run out. The kindness of God for us never runs dry. God's grace doesn't ever get used up. It's not like he looks down on you and says, a little too far, I'm out of grace for you today. God never tires of being kind to us. He never tires of applying his healing balm to those places that hurt. He never tires of expressing his forgiveness for our sins because he's already paid for them. The ones we did before and the ones we're going to do tomorrow. They are paid for. He never tires of giving us the gift of his grace manifest in his entirely unmerited favor and kindness. Because when we receive his grace, when it really gets in, it's what comes out. It's what we give. And when we give his grace, the entire world has the opportunity to encounter him. This is how this works. Grace is the gift given to us in life. In the life, death, resurrection, rule, and constant reign of Jesus Christ. It's free. It's limitless. It's entirely unconditional. It brings us to life, makes us new, and empowers us to bring new life into the world. And growing up into Jesus means growing up into his grace. Growing up into receiving his grace and growing up into giving and sharing his grace in the ways that he's already planned and prepared. This is what he designed you for, to be a conduit of his grace. And so this morning, I believe the Lord invites us into this process of asking the question. Am I living in God's grace? Have I received his grace to the degree that it's my instinct to give it out to other people? 2 Corinthians 12.9 tells us that my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. As one commentator put it, we have to know that we're dead to be brought back to life in Christ. We have to be dead to all of our attempts to earn his grace. Are we willing to humbly receive his grace? And do we know God to be kind? So as we close, we're going to sing a song about God's grace. There's many, but we're going to listen to one. And it's a new song. And so as I read off those questions, if any of them perked in you, I just want to invite you to spend some time with the Lord responding and sitting and waiting. How might the Lord be inviting you and I to grow in grace this year? But before we do that, I want to pray for us. And so will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your grace. And Lord, we thank you that we don't have to earn your grace. That you gave it freely and entirely unconditionally. So, Lord, would you help us to be those who live into the grace that you give? Give us humility to see our need for your consistent daily grace. Bless us with the faith to believe that you died for us while we were still dead in sin. God, grace us to be those who extend grace freely and to be those who receive Your grace freely. In Jesus' name, amen.